that it's so baked into our culture too, that take the moral high ground, be the bigger person. I'll take the high road. It's all about rising that challenge. And it's very physical in the language. Welcome to the Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and with me today, I have an old family friend, Dr. Audrey Boxwell, who is going to be talking to us about her new fantastic book, Soul to Soul. And I love particularly the subtitle to it, A Daily Prescription for Moving Forward in Your Life. Because really, these are the types of prescriptions that we need to be considering. How do we move ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our souls? Dr. Audrey is a psychotherapist and chaplain involved in the healing arts for the past 40 plus years, during which time she's recognized the importance of treating patients and clients through a multifaceted lens of mind, body, and spirit. What affects and influences one part of our being affects all parts of our being. This philosophy influenced her decision to work out of doors, seeing clients and patients on foot, either walking or hiking via psych hike toward a destination of significant healing and wholeness. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Audrey. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love this book. I've been, um, you dropped it off at our office a couple of weeks ago and it has been so much fun because it is just these little daily doses of thoughts and considerations. And um, my office manager and I have been kind of reading them together and, and <laughs> take, taking a moment to consider and be mindful. So this mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, for all of us to get to know you a little bit better, this is a, a perfect question for you. Um, when did movement first become fun for you? Um, probably when I was four or five years old. Yeah. And what do you remember? I started dancing, um, just making up dances. Every time I heard music, I would start to dance. It just, it it gave me a sense of freedom and (laughs) just being me. Um, my mother had gone through a series of miscarriages and disappointments, and it was a way for me to break free of her sadness and her disappointment and, mm-hmm. and just move out of that. And I literally needed to move my body out of that atmosphere that she was creating by her, of course, you know, yeah. many, many disappointments. It, w- it was quite a few miscarriages. And so um, that's how I, I, I'm sure that's how it began, you know, psychically or, you know, psychologically, but I just, love to move and and then going outside I was always running you know I was always with the boys I don't think I maybe owned one doll in my life but to me just sitting and dressing a doll was not doing it for me so I always wanted to move and run and be on the jungle gym I hope they still have those so people know what I'm talking about um but whatever it was that I could climb or or just fly through the air. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I so, oh, so agree with you. Oh, I mean, we got a little feedback here. I'm going to turn down my volume a little. Um, no, I so agree with you. Just the, the idea of sitting and undressing and redressing a doll. My daughter does that now. And we do have jungle gyms. And it's, it's amazing to 
watch her want to dress and undress this doll. I was like, but go run. Go. <laughs> I had one doll. I didn't, yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation with my mother. Um, but I, I love that. And the way you tell your story about, you know, dancing away, dancing through, moving through the sadness and, and this experiential of your childhood, um, it really does set up this dichotomy that, that you talk about with psychic and, and the way you do therapy as, you know, we can carry these burdens with us or we can move through them. And really, we have that option of how we want to handle any kind of stressor, truly. So what is that power of movement in, in creating that release? Well, I think the biggest gift that movement gives to us is that it begins to expand the mind. In other words, when you're moving forward, um, what tends to happen is that you begin to plan forward rather than going back in history to what was, what could have been, what should have been. Moving forward gives us a space, an arena, and allows us to dream, to create, to begin anew. And for many of us who will choose in the morning to walk either solo or with girlfriends or whomever with our spouses, partners. It's a time where the ease of movement allows us an ease of expression, an ease of communication. And I, th I think it really has to do with the um, increased intake of oxygen as mm -hmm. we're moving through time and space. And it just sets up um, the perfect atmosphere to allow to allow what's coming in and to move it forward. So that even if you're having a disagreement with your children, a girlfriend, whomever, mm -hmm. you have the ability as you're moving to move through the disagreement. And for each of you to then have a time, give each other permission to speak your truth, to speak their truth, and then to come to some sort of agreement. And so it's just a perfect venue to get what's inside to come up outside so you can see it and then deal with it. I love it. How does it, how does our mind and our body, do they mirror each other to create that perfect environment? Because I've definitely experienced that myself. Um, my husband and I, before, before the time of quarantine and COVID, mm -hmm. we started doing our date nights regularly to go rock climbing together. Mm -hmm. So it became fascinating. We didn't do this on purpose, but it became a really fascinating exercise. And we started having really hard conversations about, or what used to be, I should say, really hard conversations about heavy things that we couldn't change. And it was almost this beautiful metaphor of one of us would climb up the wall and come down the wall with, you know, up the wall with one idea. And when we came down the wall, we would have a new thought to share. And somehow we started dismantling these big, heavy burdens in one climb at a time. We find we really miss it now and are looking forward to getting back to it. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why did that happen? Well, that's one of the reasons why I created Psychic. Mm -hmm. Because um, what I, I remember studying about, I have a doctorate in theology. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I noticed that every time one of our ancients 
either our philosophers, one of our saints, whomever, whenever they were giving an, a very inspiring message, mm -hmm. it always seemed to be at the top of a mountain. So I thought, this cannot be a coincidence. Why are we always moving towards the top of the mountain when, when all of a sudden we are struck by this wisdom, you know? Mm -hmm. Forgetting that we are feeling closer to heaven, although that does play into it. Mm -hmm. What is this about the ascension that kind of gives us this permission to, to come from a whole different place in our being, a deeper, more spiritual place? And so I thought, well, if it works for them, perhaps it could work for myself as well. <laughs> so when I was in graduate school and I was incapable of doing the daily meditations that we were called to do, in fact, I was in jeopardy of flunking meditation, um, my wonderful professor said, Audrey, when we're doing meditation, there's this wonderful um, hill hill it was kind of a mini mountain but it was it wasn't you know it was steep but it wasn't that long he said try going up it and see what happens see if you move into that meditative state because i just had too much mind chatter and i was everywhere but where i needed to be which was in in the in the land of nothingness you know i never got there and sure enough the the very first day i did it I remember feeling the sense of elation and a feeling of being surrounded by something higher than myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the words then to, to express what was going on. Yeah. I just knew it, whatever thoughts came into me, whether it was into my body, my soul, or my mind, Mm -hmm. It were things that would only happen when I was climbing this mountain. And I just think that whenever we are ascending higher, it just becomes a metaphor for our whole being mm -hmm. to come from a higher place so that we're not dealing with day-to-day -day stuff, with the errands, with the issues, with the problems, with the in-laws, mm -hmm. with, with whatever is going on, homework, whatever it is. Yeah we're feeling a sense of awe as we rise and just opening up to, to another part of our brain that allows us to come from an entirely different place where we actually can see things that we are either called to do or are delighted with the idea of doing. Oh, I love that part. And Don't so I thought, well, why not get a group so we can all ascend? Mm -hmm. And so when I started Psychic, it was truly with um, a group of people who are working on a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Because I thought um, that synergistically, if we're all working on a, a similar idea, that the way it works when we're all in a group is that everything that's coming into our being and coming into our mind expands even greater. Mm -hmm. It's like when people are meditating together, it's, yeah. it's the same effect. It's that, that collective energy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it worked, it worked. And so we would get to the top of the hill or the mountain or whatever we were climbing. And I would, you know, 
set up a situation and the way that people were talking and thinking and collaborating was unbelievable. I mean, it was totally different than their boardroom experiences so that they could really feel a sense of freedom in, in what they were coming up with mm-hmm. rather than feeling inhibited sitting there in a room waiting for their turn, you know, and, and thinking, is this okay? Does this sound weird? Am I sounding crazy? You know, will they think I don't belong on the team? Whatever it was, you know, whatever negative thoughts we get. I think it's kind of interesting that with that mountain idea and that walk together, I just have this idea of, of sitting in the boardroom that when you, you know, deign to speak up and, and you're questioning whether or not it's something worth sharing is that's the first time you are um, maybe the first time it's the first thing you're saying physically presenting yourself within the group yes. is with that idea. So the idea better be strong enough versus if you're hiking or walking together, then you have already physically presented yourself within the group. All of you have within this shared journey of the walk. And, exactly. and your whole metaphor of, you know, all of these great theological discoveries coming from the top of the mountain. It, I can't believe I never noticed that before. And then it's so, <laughs> it was like, yes, you're right. Um, that, that it's so baked into our culture too, that take the moral high ground, be the bigger person. I'll take the high road. It's all about rising that challenge. And it's very physical in the language. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and because you have a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. from the get go, in other words, you're called to do something different. You're called to do something maybe a little more difficult than, than you normally do. Mm-hmm. When you accomplish that feat, you feel this immediate sense of, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I Look, I did it. And that, in fact, gives you permission then to have less censorship within you and allow more of who you are and what you're bringing to the table to be discovered by everybody else. So you feel less inhibited. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about that personal censorship too? Um, because I know you do these psych hikes on a one-on-one as well as a form of walking therapy. Right. How, so how does this work you know, within the group, but also within permission, permission to not censor yourself to yourself? Right. And it seems like a double, double whammy. Right. Well, one of the things that we're really good at is holding on to negative ideas, beliefs, and what other people think. Okay. Movement for whatever reason, begins to diminish all of that. In fact, what happens when you're moving forward is that you almost become unable to remember what it was that created this feeling within you that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Because at this moment of, working, of walking forward, you, be, you are becoming enough. You are moving forward. You're moving towards something greater than what was before. Mm-hmm. And I think it just eliminates all of that negative mind chatter that some of us really listen to, whether consciously or subconsciously, on a nonstop basis, mm-hmm. which always creates barrier, barriers for us from moving forward. But we're already moving forward. 
So it becomes less of a barrier. And quite frankly, I mean, I've had people that I've walked with and they're coming to me with some, you know, reoccurring stuff with Mm -hmm. the same old, same old situations and people. And as we're moving forward and we're starting to, to walk and walk, move through some of these things, I'll say, so what was the original issue that just happened? And, and oftentimes they'll say, wait a minute, let me just remember now. <laughs> wait, wait, it, it just happened. I don't know why I can't remember, but it was a really bad. And I said, well, let's just let it go. Mm-hmm. And let's decide what's next. Because moving forward gives you the opportunity of what's next, not what can never be because of what was. And so it's always setting you up for the next step forward. Mm-hmm. And well, it, it does work perfectly. It is. And, and that piece of moving forward physically within the walk, being that first step, pun absolutely intended, is that, you know, we so often when it's something that's, you know, that's burdening our heart or burdening our mind, we think that that is where we have to start. I can't stop thinking about it. So I must try to think of something that I will think of differently. So I don't think about it or I'll feel something different. <laughs> but when, if that's the place where we're feeling burdened and trapped, why not go somewhere more accessible? Because it's the misconception that, you know, the body, mind, spirit are different entities, which, you know, story after story, research after research is just proving is absolutely not true. And we can say spirit in terms of feelings and heart space, whatever, whatever words you want to call it, it, it is that felt sense. So that physical walking does change the mental or emotional aspect of whatever stressor you're carrying. So why not start there? It's easier. <laughs> it's so much easier. And, and believe it or not, um, when I was seeing patients, you know, traditionally in the office, very often when, when time was up, mm-hmm. the situation was not resolved to the point where it felt like they could move forward from it. Mm-hmm. When we have a beginning and an end to our destination, very often people are much better able to come to their own determination of what needs to happen, mm. what, needs, you know, what needs to occur for them to have this resolution because they know they're coming to the end of the journey. They're coming to the end of the walk. And it doesn't feel abrupt and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel... Um, as if they're being cut off. Mm-hmm. It's just a very seamless way to begin. There's a middle and there's an end, and they can see it as they're moving through it. Mm-hmm. And so it gives a lot more power to, say, yeah. to the client and the patient, as does moving with them side by side, rather than you know both of us looking at each other, which for some people can be intimidating, they mm-hmm. might feel judged or censored. What will she think about that? Will she think this is stupid or dumb or, or ridiculous? Mm-hmm. But when you're side by side, it, there's so much greater permission to just speak forward into the space right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes easier. It changes the relational aspect. I'm glad you brought up the side by side versus facing each other. You know, when we face each other, we have uh, the interaction of all these fabulous little um, neurons called mirror neurons, which, you know, help us relationally. They help us engage and develop 
and develop everything. We've talked about that a lot in other podcasts, but in this particular case, you might not think of it, but having those mirror neurons, you are going to be self-correcting all of your expressions based on the person in front of you a little bit subconsciously. But just to what you were saying in terms of what will they think, how will they do? And if someone leans back, you might think that's a withdrawal and you'll withdraw any number of things. Exactly. Yeah. I decide it's neutral. It's your space. You're controlling it. And that sense of power that you brought up, even to know, have ownership of the entire journey in your own ex, um, exploration is huge. Right. It's amazing. Right. And it, it just, it sets up a, a relationship of equality. We're mm. both walking on the same ground forward in the same way. So it just, um, it works. Let's put it that way. It <laughs> and physiologically speaking, it, it really speaks to the fact that, you know, a lot of research has been done around stress and emotions and where they live and how we process them. And, you know, we think that if we remove the stressor, the thing that is causing us a problem, you know, there's a family relationship and now I stay away from that person. So I should be fine. Or <laughs> I had, that's how it works. Or, um, you know, I had a big deliverable at work. I hit the email send button. I'm done. But that's not actually the case. We can get stuck in, and you were talking about this a little bit. So I want to return to it. Uh, we get stuck in this loop this loop of reliving and sticking with that stressful incident mentally, emotionally. And we have to process that feeling of stress through our body physiologically to let our central nervous system, to let our fight, fight, flight, or freeze response finish its process so that we know that we are safe. And the number one best way to do that is to do something physical. Anything physical, exactly. anything at all. Because <laughs> right. it has to do with breathing. Mm -hmm. And when we go into our fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system, the first reaction is, is to hold the breath. Mm -hmm. Because we're hardwired to stay safe from the very beginning of time. Um, Mother Nature instilled within us this wonderful mechanism so that we could sense danger have a moment to size up where we are in the situation and then react. That's why it's called fight or flight. We decide whether we're gonna fight the saber-toothed tiger or whether we're gonna flee. Um, or worst case scenario, freeze. <laughs> but in any event, during that time, there is no breathing occurring. There's no inhalation and exhalation. Mm -hmm. It is merely holding the breath. And what we know now is that in every situation, consciously or subconsciously, when we are sensing danger, we hold our breath. Mm -hmm. And it could be as inconsequential as being late and having to run and get something and there's a big long line in front, you know, in front of the cash register, okay? Mm -hmm. And I watch many people are standing there and they're holding their breath. And what's happening is it's making the situation worse mm -hmm. because there's no oxygenation going on. There's no relaxation of any organ in the body. Mm -hmm. And so that constant tightening is what creates illness. It's what creates inflammation. It, what's, it, it creates disorder within the body. We are not meant to hold our breath 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And now, in 2020, 
with everything that's going on, many people are holding their breath most times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. and, and very often never taking a deep breath unless they are doing physical exercise. That's scheduled. I mean, scheduled exercise. Yeah. They have that, that hour of breathing. And the rest of the time in front of that computer, waiting for the next shoe to drop or in front of their TV or whatever it is, mm -hmm. or in front of their cell phone, you know, waiting for the next bad news to flash on in front of them. The breath is being held. Well, it's being held and causing an inflammatory situation somewhere in the body. Each of us has a spot in our body that is maybe weaker than the other. Mm -hmm. For some of us, it's the head. We tend to get headaches or migraines. For others, it's gut issues. You know, mind-gut is, it's the same connection. You yeah, know, what you think you feel in your gut. That's why you get gut reactions. Mm -hmm. Because the brain tells the brain and the gut through the enteric nervous system that, uh-oh, we got we to gotta size this up. Yep. The stomach clenches because no digestion can be done when you are in stress. Mm -hmm. So all these things become a perfect storm for people then having what started as acute chronic issues that go on and on and on until they begin to breathe and move through it to learn to literally learn how to breathe through the stress so that they're not holding on all day long and you bring up again this is sort of our body likes to live in this goldilocks arena of just enough and when we have that stress response, it does serve us so well when we have something you know, really scary to get away right. from. Dangerous. Mm -hmm. the big danger. But right. we have been, and you made this point, I just want to return to it because I think, you know, we have the, the little um, happiness hacks that we can consider, like um, taking the notifications off your phone, et cetera. But why that is so important and a physiological necessity is because many of these notifications have become stress triggers. It's Correct. your emails from work. Perhaps you have a demanding boss or job with a toxic work environment. Every single one of those little flag notifications is a stress trigger. Hold your breath. On Facebook, because that is such the nice peaceful place these days, every one of those notification triggers is maybe a troll arguing about something that you've put on and now you're in a political fight that you never wanted to be in. Stress trigger. You hold your breath. Um, news notifications. There's a couple of scary things happening in the news these days. Stress, <laughs> trigger, stress, trigger, stress trigger. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. Right. And it is nonstop. It is always right there within, right here, arm's reach. Right. Just right there to have those stress triggers. Right. And it's not just a cognitive annoyance of maybe you should be paying attention to something else. It is physiologically damaging because you're holding your breath in tiny little gasps, gasps all day and teaching right. yourself to breathe with only the very top of your lungs. Exactly. You let go exactly. of your shallow breathing. All right. of shallow all breathing. shallow breathing. And where's your weakest link? Is it your head? Is it your heart? Is it your lungs? Is it your belly? So important. Turn them off. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, I mean, we were not, we were not created 
mm-hmm. to be this um, container for all of this, for all the stimulation. We really mm-hmm. are not. I mean, that's just not how we were meant to cope and be and live. Yeah. And because it has become nonstop, we don't have regulators to automatically shut it off. So mm-hmm. that, you know, we really have to consciously shut this off. Mm-hmm. Because it's truly doing physical, besides mental damage to our bodies. That does show up. I mean, it might not show up when you're 20 or 30, but when you're 60 and 70, and you know, we are living longer. And we don't want to live a poorer quality of life. Mm -hmm. Because we have allowed all of these things to actually weaken us. Yeah. I mean, we have an opportunity to critique and decide when we're going to be informed And when we're going to use our own time to inform ourselves of what we can be, what Mm -hmm. we want to be, um, and where we want to go. I mean, it's just, it's just a time really for us to, to be more disciplined in how we allow all of the stimulation coming in Mm -hmm. because it truly is nonstop. Well, and when you talk about um, that we don't have ways that we've adapted to turn it off, that, you know, all of the stimulation, and we could, we could go down such a rabbit hole saying even the brightness of the lights and the volume of the music and the roar of the engines on the road, Constant. these are all stressful um, pieces of stimulant that are louder and more ever-present than, than we might have known. I mean, right. last, the last time you went camping and that, that silence, it's so different. And we, we haven't adapted in a kind of innate way, but we do have other options. You know, we can either move through it, walk through it, but then you see a lot of people choosing to numb and to not move through it, but step away. And that would be, you know, any number of things with, with food, with substance, with alcohol, with binging on TV, shopping, any of these pieces are ways to create one steady drone of a stimulus so as not to process through and move through all of the triggers that we experience throughout the day. Correct. And, you know, I didn't even speak about (laughs) all of those substitutes that are being used Mm -hmm. to turn it off. I mean, because we think we're turning it off by watching, you know, binging on Netflix or whatever, Mm -hmm. but all we're doing, I think, is just putting ourselves on hold. Yeah. Because it all still awaits us when we turn the TV off. You know, yeah. let's face it. We have, in that sense, stepped away from the stressor, the thing, but we have not moved through the physical stress. So there hasn't been any change in our threshold of adapting. We just stopped caring for, you know, a season or two of whatever you're watching. Exactly. And that's why I think movement is um, there's even a greater call for us to move physically Mm -hmm. through our days than ever before, because I think we just really need that metaphor um, Mm -hmm. get from where we believe we are stuck in to where we want to go. Absolutely. So, you know, you've created psych hike. This is, this is your creation and brain child and and body child. Um, Mm -hmm. What can we do? We have listeners across the globe. 
how can we take psych hike into our own practices and start dealing with those incremental stressors before they become um, mentally and physically, emotionally detrimental? Well, I think, and this is, you know, I've been doing this since what, 2007. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've, um, and I, and it, psych hike has come through a bunch of iterations because I've been trying new things to see really what serves the highest and best for all of us, you know. And what I have come to realize is that we all daydream about in a perfect world, in, if all things, if all systems were go, where would we be? What would we be doing? Um, what's a vision that we have for ourselves? Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, seeing that vision in my mind's eye and then moving my body with that vision really helps it to become integrated in all parts of my being such that I am able then rather to just talk about it. We've all done the cocktail talk about what we're going to do next, what we're <laughs> excited about, what's the next opportunity. But when you're actually walking with this vision in mind, with this dream in your head, with um, this in a, you know, if all, if everything were going my way, this is where I would be. This is what I would be doing it really then becomes easier as you're moving with that vision to actually begin to see how to take action and to do it. Mm. And so with Psychic, I, I started to ask people, what are the steps you see? You know, mm -hmm. really. Not from a, you know, from a real life standpoint. What could you do next to make this happen? Because this is only not your reality because there's a voice in your head saying, you'll never be able to do this. But move through it. You will see the possibilities. And you will see if it came into your mind, it means it's yours. <laughs> and it's yours to do. So fear not. Just see what the next step is. And then walk to the next step. And before you know it, you have your action steps to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not where I, I have to feel motivated then, then to go, you know, decide on my idea. You know, it's like, I need to be motivated to take action. And I'm saying, you need to take action to become motivated. Mm -hmm. And that's what I know to be true. Well, I love it. And again, it's, we hear these adages and they just seem so amorphous out of, con I'd say out of context, out of context of this podcast. Um, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So you want to arrive in this place that you have never seen before, never experienced before. And whether that's a physical destination because you want to travel or mm -hmm. a mental, emotional, uh, personal destination because you're changing your business, changing your relationships, right. what have you, you've never been there before. Right. So the idea of starting where you're at and thinking of that final destination of where you want to be, at least for this iteration, you're not just going to teleport there no we don't, we don't have that technology <laughs> you start with a step and what better literal way to do that rather than sitting in your cocoon of dreams mm -hmm. but actually going out and walking it 
to start breaking it down into smaller pieces. Yeah. On a new relationship. Well, maybe I should start doing different things than I am currently doing. I can go to a pottery class or whatever, because I want to meet people who are artistic. Like these, these become tangible with each step and you find you move yourself along the path. Exactly. I think the more concrete we make it, mm -hmm. dear, it is for us to see what the next step then is. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, rather than this ambiguous, all these ideas that are not forming into a plan that you can attack or that you can begin to, you know, to make real in your life. Mm -hmm. I also think that being outdoors, and for me it was always um, on a mountain trail, that being surrounded by natural, by the natural world, um, it stimulates something within me, um, whereby I really do feel the sense of oneness, mm -hmm. And this sense of um, freedom and per permission. It's all of these things that are growing, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's the wildflowers, the trees, the animals, they don't wait for, for permission to, to take the next step to grow into this beautiful flower or to stand tall for a hundred years. It's just something that is known within the cells of, the, of whatever it is that's growing. And it just doesn't have a conscience mm -hmm. to inhibit that growth. And when I'm surrounded by all of this, it's like all of this permission saying, of course you can be like us. <laughs> of course you can thrive and bloom and grow and have your time where you're, you know, where you're hibernating a little bit and just formulating, but there's always that those months of growth and, and beauty and, and coming into oneself. And it, it's just, it's just so encouraging to be surrounded by that mm -hmm. to say, these things are magnificent as we all are, as I am. Mm -hmm. Therefore I know that I am capable of achieving the same things, i.e. planting the seed, you know, helping it germinate, and then watching it bloom, <laughs> yeah. and, and spreading joy wherever possible. And each little piece of growth is just an increment at a time. Exactly. That seed does not suddenly be a flower, it pushes, it germinates, it sprouts, it grows up, then there's a leaf, then there's the bud. It's to each step along the way. It is right. such, I, I love that, that reminder. You know, in the, the modern world, in the, the human world, we ask for permission. We're waiting for someone to say, you can be bigger. Right. You, you can be louder. And that's just not typically the permission that we get because everybody's hoping to be louder. Everybody's hoping to have someone burst through the door and say, it's your turn. Go be phenomenal. Right. And that's, yeah, that's not the rule of nature. You are already go express it. <laughs> there is, there is germination and what we see on social media is instant. Mm -hmm. And so people have, their minds have corrupted into, if I do this, I'm instantly going to have this. Because, well, they did, so I can. Mm -hmm. And then when that doesn't happen instantly, the dream is dashed. 
the idea is squashed. Well, forget it. But that's not how it works. I mean, that's not how it works in the real world that is lasting. Mm -hmm. It's flash in the pan. Yeah. You know, and, and if it's not lasting, it's not meaningful. Right. So better to allow nature to take its course <laughs> and, and to fuel it with everything that we possibly can mm -hmm. to be who we want to be, to have what we want to have, to become that which we were meant to be when we were put on this earth. I think we all have a purpose. We all have a mission, whether we're conscious of it or not. It is within us. Mm -hmm. to be that and even more and given the opportunity let's move towards seeing what those seeds are let's move towards planting those nurturing them and then watching the fruits of whatever it is ha we have labored to get mm -hmm. there i mean it's just it's a beautiful process we need um nothing more than a pair of walking shoes or sneakers to do it no money involved, no arduous tasks. It's moving one step and then the next step, one foot in front of the other. And you get there. You just get there. Uh, and even more phenomenal that in the light of, you know, everything that's happening this year, again, it's something that you can do safely. No, that's not, you don't have to go into any industry, into any place, or like, there's no cost. It's one foot in front of the other, whatever shoes you can put on your feet, it can be done safely. Even the companionship of it, walking outside, side by side with, you know, whatever distance is, is necessary. Exactly. For safety, exactly. It's still something that we can do. Even now, always, we have our bodies and we can move them. Right especially now during COVID, it's, um, it's one thing. I mean, whether you choose to wear a mask um, when you're walking solo or in a group um, to spread out and wear a mask, you're still moving outside. You're still able to breathe the air. You're still able to connect with that freedom that maybe you haven't been feeling for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a gift you give to yourself. Yeah. And connecting with that freedom, because I know that's one of the recurrent words that that people talk about this year is that in light of everything, it is the restriction of. Right. We feel restricted. We feel confined literally into our homes, right. into circumstance, into the unknown. We feel restricted. Right. And, and powerless. And powerless. And yeah. that is. A, yeah. And that is a stressor. And the good news is that we don't have to wait for the removal of the stressor to stop feeling stressed. Wouldn't that be terrible if we had to wait for everything that was outside of our control to go <laughs> away until we could feel better? That would, we would all be more miserable than we already are. <laughs> it, it can exist just the way it is. Yeah. But if we can physiologically move through take the the natural forces of our body the physiology that is baked into us to deal with stress and physically move through and then on the other benefit of walking with other people finding community finding that safety in others is another baked in physiological way that our brain and our nervous system adapts to stress so you get a double whammy walking and talking with someone with whom you feel safe exactly and also realizing that 
the commonality between us that we're not going through this in isolation, that mm-hmm. all these thoughts and all these worries are not ours, mm-hmm. you know, personally, that we're sharing in this, in this experiment. A totally different way of life and dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But coming up with a new normal, coming up with a way of moving through it um, with more grace and ease mm-hmm. than perhaps we were before. Mm-hmm. And um, learning you know, from each other, learning with each other, and mm-hmm. sharing is, um, is what community is about. And human beings, as we know, are very social animals. It's one of the reasons why we're having such difficulty um, eliminating <laughs> this, you know, disease right now is because we we do strive, we do crave to be together mm-hmm. and share and to commune together. So it's a way of doing it um, healthfully. Let's put it that way. I love it. That's wonderful. And so for that benefit, do you have any structure or suggestion? You talk about when you work with your patients and clients that you ask them what's the next step or to think of that destination. Um, do you have a, a basic you know, starter prompts of ideas for our listeners who might want to grab a buddy and, and try it themselves? Well, I think you start um, wherever you're at, you know, <laughs> so... If, if what's up for you is, um, I mean, you're just really feeling stuck in, I'm unable to, to do what I want to do because my kids are home. I'm a mother. I need to be here. It's kind of hard for me to think of, you know, what's next because this is my reality. And getting caught up in that frustration and unfortunately sometimes turning to anger um, um, misplaced anger. Um, when you're moving with someone, you, you just start from, okay, so what can we do to move through this time mm-hmm. with greater fun and greater ease and still begin to see our way out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, let's come up with a plan. Let's say maybe two weeks from now, we have an idea of you know where we're going to be this time next year. Because I really think um, if we can start planning concretely where we see our lives moving and give ourselves a time, because I truly think in a year we will we'll be in a totally different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you know the flu will ever be eradicated, but it never has. And yet we've been able to move past it with, you know, medicine and new discoveries. I really think we have to have faith in that it will happen again. But rather than just, I don't know what to do. I'm going crazy. I want to kill these kids at the end of the day. And then I get mad at myself because they're so adorable. They didn't ask for this. I mean, all the things that you go through during the day. Are you in my head? Yeah. Yeah. You're in my head. (laughs) So, well, because I hear it, you know, so but to, to really just start concretely seeing a plan, um, it, it brings us hope. And one thing we need right now is hope. There, the gifts of faith and hope are immense. 
-hmm. And we have allowed those things to become erased. And I think we really need to engage with believing that, of course, think we will move through this. We always have. This mm -hmm. is this is humanity. You know, we have struggles, we move through. We have struggles, we move through. Mm -hmm. So you have that faith to know and hope that, of course, it's going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. it's just this is this is how it is. This is called life. Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with it and and bring joy into one's life by coming up with fun things that you're planning six months, nine months, 12 months down the road. So you do have things to look forward to mm -hmm. so that you do allow yourself to keep dreaming, to keep planning. Don't get caught up in the dark black hole that you may be feeling right now if we're never going to get out of this. It's because perfect. if you do listen to the news, I mean, the tendency will be either, first of all, you don't believe it whatsoever, or <laughs> you are totally paralyzed by it. Mm -hmm. But to find, to stay safe, but to be able to, to keep planning mm -hmm. will bring you immense joy and hope and faith and energy more energy to then wake up tomorrow morning and say, this day is going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's another day for me to get excited mm -hmm. about what's ahead, not what is today or what was yesterday. Well, and I really love when you say, you know, start with the idea to be fun or to be joyful or to be hopeful. I think when we talk about that planning, and it's certainly the example that I used earlier on about jobs and relationships and all these very external, tangible things, you make an incredibly salient and important point that where we are right now, it might be as simple as next week, instead of this misery and stress and misplaced anger, it is going to be fun. And that is still beginning with the end in mind. And that is still creating a place that perhaps you have never been in the time of since this pandemic started and the shutdown started and we started getting all these stressors and uncertainties. And so for the last eight months, perhaps you have not had that fun. You have not had that hope. And how on earth would you ever create hope in the land of a pandemic in which you've never been before? Well, same way we create any other plan. Make it your goal and start walking towards it. Yeah, and, and use your imagination. Don't be afraid to use your imagination. Mm -hmm. Imagine different scenarios. Instead of getting stuck in the routine of what has been, mm -hmm. you always have opportunity to change. Always, yeah. every moment you can change the situation. Mm -hmm. So you think of new activities you can do with the kids that, mm -hmm. that make the routine, the drudgery, um, seem much less stressful. Mm -hmm. So if, if cooking dinners every night is just driving you crazy, which I can attest to that, <laughs> you come up with ways to engage everybody. Everyone has a job. We come up with recipes together. We let the kids decide what we're going to eat, you know, rather than us deciding. Um, you make it more collaborative. So everyone feels some sense of achievement, mm -hmm. some sense of, oh, I did this. I, you know, I could create this so that in moments that seems like such drudgery, 
Mm-hmm. We put the F word in. Many of us have forgot the F word. It is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to create our own fun. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can remember a time when, when I was young, because I am of a certain age, where <laughs> there was none of the stimulation and all of our fun came mm-hmm. from our imaginations. Mm-hmm. We were always creating stories and acting out stories and, and creating plays and situations and building forts. We were doing things that came from our greatest dreams, our imaginations, mm-hmm. to create fun for ourselves. And by the end of the, our playtime, we felt exhilarated. It's like, oh my God, mom, you can't believe this fort we made or or this meeting we had, you know, we'd make these forts and then we'd have the meetings underneath <laughs> the table, these elaborate meetings and, and solving the world's problems, you know, when we're four and five years old. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun, you know, and we didn't have all these outside things creating our fun. We were creating our fun. Mm-hmm. And to be able to go back to that and knowing that it is within us to imagine fun mm-hmm. and then go about creating it. I love it. Uh, remember, and the reminder of it's within us. I was just thinking of this morning. I so wanted to throw a tantrum to rival anything my my three year old could have <laughs> over something just as important as what she would tantrum. And it was almost this strange aha of if I have it within me to throw a tantrum like a three year old, could I play like a three year old too? And, and to have that fun and harness that imagination. And, and we get out of the practice, frankly, we get out of the practice of both. Some of us more than others with the tantrums and with the fun, but <laughs> <laughs> we still have that. It didn't go anywhere. We just stopped using it. We stopped moving towards it and engaging with it. And, and again, it's a real opportunity to just do a little bit to get back in touch with that physical, physical self and breathe reconnect reconnect with that that three and four year old within within mm-hmm. yourself yeah remember um joy and fun and and let it go mm-hmm. breathe in move through it let it go and enjoy because it's all we got is what we have and make the best of it and that is what is truly within our control amen <laughs> Oh, Dr. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today. We didn't actually talk too much about your book, mostly about your great wisdom that went into creating it. So you tell us, could you tell about all of our listeners where they can get this book, what they should look forward to within it? Yes. yes. <laughs> From Soul to Soul is um, available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's also available at my website, AudreyBoxwell.com. Um, it is truly... Um, just a day-to-day a little blurb of inspiration to get you going Mm -hmm. to get you moving it's a little motivational saying it takes all of about maybe four three four minutes to read if that much and it's just an aha Mm -hmm. let's get going kind of a daily dose of you can do this Mm -hmm. And without technicality, without a lot of science, which was the precursor to this book, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be simple and easy. People were so distracted. They really couldn't. I heard from so many people. We can't, 
we don't have the concentration to actually sit down and read right now. Mm -hmm. so this was just a way to be inspired day by day to know that I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Whatever comes my way, I can do this. And it's a way to get you up and out and moving towards whatever goal, whatever dream, whatever desire mm -hmm. is in front of you. Move, move forward and get there. And it's fun. It's easy. It's, um, I tried to make it beautiful so that you could set it out on a coffee table or, or a nightstand. Mm -hmm. And it's a great gift idea if you want to gift it to somebody else especially now for the holidays. Um, it's, it's a gem mm -hmm. to give to other people of this is inspirational. It's joyful. Let's read it together. I love it. And it is, it, they are just little daily gems and you can tell how carefully they, the messages and the words have been chosen because they don't stay cerebral or emotional or physical. There's always an action or a verb or a consideration or a movement in each of them. And it's, it's so subtle and delightful <laughs> altogether um, just to have this nugget to carry with you. And so if I can, this is one of my favorites. This is actually from, um, from July <laughs> and July 3rd is just to take this one with, with you on your walk today. Maybe you're listening in the car and you're going to park a couple of parking spaces further away. Oh, wait, we're not going to work anymore. Go for a walk. Take a break from your team meeting. And that is, I go to work. I have my when, when we become curious about our surroundings, our senses open to the intricacies of life and all of its miracles. And this one little 20-second suggestion invites us to look at our surroundings differently, experience them more fully, and go explore. And that's just the beginning. So I absolutely full of gems, full of great little suggestions. And, you know, if it's within, within your world and accessibility, you know, grabbing one of these to um, take with a buddy and say every day we're going to read and walk and talk. And that's just the beginning. That's my feeling. <laughs> thank you for thank you for reiterating it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Dr. Audrey, thank you again, and thank you to all of our listeners. I so appreciate you tuning in today, and we'll catch you for the next episode of Healing Ground Movement Podcast. Be well, thank you, Dr. Carl. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.